Hey, what's up? It is your Tuesday episode of Locked on Raptors. Sean here with you as always, and it is mostly a solo show today where I'll be taking your listener questions before rounding out the podcast in the final segment with a chat with Walker and Doug from Locked on Hornets to tee up Raptors Hornets tonight. The Hornets are a super interesting team, and we talked with Doug and Walker all about them ahead of the first of two matchups in the next couple weeks here between the two clubs. That's all coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But it is 1103 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, January the 25th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And, of course, please make sure to subscribe to, rate, review, tell a friend, whatever it is. You can support the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps for absolutely free. And you can go to YouTube and subscribe to the show there for free as well. And, as always, a big thank you for making us your first listen of the day all right on today's show we are going to dig into some mailbag questions from the lovely listeners out there before in the final segment rounding things out with a chat with doug and walker from locked on hornets which is a lovely podcast covering the charlotte hornets who are of course the raptors opponent on this lovely tuesday so we'll dig into that it's the first of two matchups over the course of the next eight games for the raptors with the hornets and so uh, really excited to get a read on this team that they have not yet seen so far this season that'll come up in the final segment also should note for the video watchers out there on this episode i'm trying something new today just to see how it works see if people respond well to it i'm going to post this episode of the podcast in three separate segments uh as three separate videos so just keep an eye out for that first two will be mailbag centric and then the third will of course be that chat with doug and walker from lockdown hornets so housekeeping out of the way the audio version will be unchanged let's get to it we got lots of listener questions that came in from the people out there today. All right, let's begin with a question from Craig Edmonds. Craig asks a question. I rephrased it just to fit the character count here on my little uh, graphic generator. But Craig essentially asks, rank the Raptors roster from 9 to 16 by how much they should be getting a look at playing time. Uh, of course, the top eight, I think, is pretty established, as Craig noted in his question towards me. He mentioned, of course, the starting five of Fred, Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam. You got Ken Birch in there when healthy as obviously a sixth or seventh man. Chris Boucher's obviously played incredibly well. And Precious Achua ain't going anywhere either because the Raptors seem very invested in his development. And so that leaves the remainder of the roster to dig into here. And, uh, you know, it's tricky because this is a very complicated matter because of the fact that Goran Dragic is not on the team right now, because honestly he would be number nine for me and would probably actually be like number eight for me in terms of pecking order on this team, because I just think his mix of playmaking and shooting would be really damn valuable on this roster, either as a catch and shoot guy to help with another outlet for Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam to find on their drives, or as a guy who can take the burden off of those guys a little bit, They've obviously had so much responsibility with the ball in their hands in addition to their work on the defensive end. Having someone like Goran Dragic would be really useful. 
That said, that is clearly not happening at any point soon here. He's not going to play for the Raptors. I've given up the dream. It's very sad. I really wanted Goran Dragic to be like a surprise fan favorite for this team. And so my preferred number nine is going to have to slide all the way down to 16 just because it's not realistic. He's just not going to get the run. I think for me at number nine, Yuta Watanabe has to be there. Just the mix of shooting and defense and sort of basketball IQ that he brings, I think is really valuable and is something that the Raptors are lacking, especially the shooting component. Yes, he's been a little bit inconsistent this season. His catch and shoot numbers are not incredible, but he's had over the last year and a half, a pretty good sample here of being a 40-ish percent three-point shooter. I think it's worth giving him another like serious run, not the seven minutes of ceremonial basketball he played over the weekend in those couple games. Like, Give me some full Utah run and see if he can kind of get back to the form that he was at, where he was clearly playing as like the seventh best Raptor during his first stretch after returning from injury in late November. Throughout December, he was awesome, and then COVID hit, and it kind of derailed things. But he was really, really effective. He's clearly my number nine. At number 10, I think I go Justin Champagny. Like, Champagny's just been such a damn good rebounder, and he's really just kind of playing within himself and not getting too crazy and, uh, you know, not trying to do too much with the ball in his hands, which is a perfect thing to have when he's playing alongside a lot of high-usage guys. It's a perfect archetype to slot in there. Just collect rebounds and pass them out to the guys who are going to shoot is basically the formula there. Sometimes he'll get his own offensive boards and that's nice as well. But I think Champagny is just because of his rebounding a pretty clear number 10. At 11, this is where it gets a little bit tricky. I think there's three guys you could pick between either Malachi Flynn, Delano Banton, and Svima Hailuk. I think I'm probably steering away from Svi at this point just because he's kind of a lesser version of what Utah brings and I don't really know how useful his theoretical but not actually proven shooting really is on this roster. Yes, he's a better shooter than a lot of the guys they already have, even with his career 34-ish percent mark. But I, I just he's not doing enough on the defensive end. And when he does stuff with the ball in his hands, it's fine, I guess. Like he can make a second side action uh and sort of drive off of that or whatever. But I just would rather the ball in anybody else's hands than his, honestly. And it just kind of feels like a waste of possession when it's being funneled to Svi. So I, I think I'm pretty okay with not having Svi as my number 11. And then you get Delano Banton, who had an incredible game last night going down to the 905. Kind of figures to be more of like the archetype of player the Raptors actually want to build their team around, which is obviously important. You have to figure, you know, well, what's their plan here and how do these guys fit into their vision? And Delano Banton clearly fits the vision more than Malachi Flynn right now. So I think I would go with Banton at 11, even though I don't feel terribly great about it. I think he is fine. I think he's passable. I don't think he's necessarily someone that you got to rely on for serious minutes in his rookie season. I don't think that's fair. I think he was actually kind of hurt a little bit by the first couple weeks of the season where he looked so good and surprised so many people it kind of accelerated expectations on Banton a little bit. And I just don't think that's fair for a second round guy who clearly was a major work in progress when he was drafted. And you don't just fix all of those things overnight. And so I'm not surprised he's fallen out of favor a little bit here. His offensive impact has really not been there. And as much as he's fun and gets out and running and all that stuff, he just does not do a ton to kind of break down a half court defense, which is what they need so badly right now. But even with that, just for like the entertainment factor, I think I'd probably go Banton as my number 12, which brings me to Malachi Flynn at number 13. I It just, look, I want Malachi Flynn to have good things happen to him. I, I, I want him to find a spot in the NBA. I just don't know if that spot is going to be with the Toronto Raptors. It just feels very 
kind of spoiled at this point in terms of the relationship. There's just not a lot left to salvage, I think. And Malachi Flynn just clearly doesn't fit what the Raptors want to do. He's got his dad kind of tweeting and going crazy in the Facebook groups, Raptor Nation, yada, yada, yada. Like, it, it's tough, man. I really, really am rooting for the guy to find some spot, but I just don't think it's going to be with the Raptors. I just, I, I think I've kind of cut bait on the idea of Flynn being a meaningful contributor, and that's okay. Front offices make mistakes. 29th overall picks rarely bear fruit. It hurts a little bit more considering Desmond Bain went 30 right after Malachi Flynn. That's a that's a mistake. But every team made that mistake in not taking Desmond Bain. Even the Grizzlies took someone, I believe, ahead of Desmond Bain in the draft. They they had a higher pick in that in the first round, if I'm not mistaken. Like it's just it's a tricky thing to navigate, and you're not going to hit all those late picks. And we've been spoiled here in Toronto because the Raptors are really good at hitting these sort of you know diamond in the rough type picks. It's not going to happen every time. And I just think the situation for Flynn has not been there. And yes, that's part of the conversation with him. It's been really difficult for him to get any sort of footing in the NBA just because of the, you know, the, the situation. Everything is a nightmare. Everything is falling apart. Uh, there's been no, he didn't have summer league. He had no training camp in his first year. The whole team had COVID last year. It was a nightmare developmental circumstance. But a lot of other rookies who were drafted that year, Desmond Bain included, and a whole bunch of other guys have made their way in the league in a way that Flynn has not. I just think the lack of shot making, the lack of any sort of force on the game when he's in there is kind of leaving me feeling pretty lukewarm on Malachi Flynn going forward. I would love to be proven wrong. Maybe he gets some run going forward here. Maybe he gets another opportunity and he proves me wrong. But I just think for me, it doesn't really seem like the tea leaves are lining up to suggest that Malachi Flynn's going to be around for a very long time and that he's going to be a big staple of the future. So I think I'm okay with Flint at 13 for me. After that, you know, pick your order. Bonga, Johnson, DJ Wilson. I mean, Wilson, I guess you want to get a little bit more of a glimpse of him before his 10 days up, his next 10 day. Maybe you want to sign him after as an extra bit of big man help. He would be the tallest player on the roster, as he is right now. Uh, <laughs> so maybe there's that at 14. I'd probably slot him in there. And then Bonga, probably 15. Johnson, 16. We'll see from Johnson. He's kind of had the Jalen Harris, Dewan Hernandez thing where he's been hurt all year and hasn't really gotten to do a ton in terms of development. And that's a big thing for a guy at his age to run up against. At 20 years old, you really want to be able to develop as much as possible. You don't want to lose that time to injury. And so he's kind of a wait and see for me. We'll, we'll see. You know, he might have not even be on the team after this season. You know, the Raptors aren't exactly married to their second round picks. And if they feel like they've got something in Banton, maybe they just move on from Johnson and look for greener pastures else, elsewhere with that two-way spot or whatever it might be. But that's kind of my read on the 1 through 16th Raptors roster right now. Uh, play Utah more, and uh, please find a way to bring Goran Dragic back, I guess. like <laughs> You need Dragic back, man. He's good and helpful and would be useful, but whatever. I uh, and It's not working out for me. So anyway, let's continue on here and dive into uh, – well, we will dive into another question in just one second and round things out with the questions part of the podcast before we get to the Locked on Hornets, guys. That will come up in just – one second here, but first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. It is a no-brainer of an offer as well for all of their users that use the promo code NBA. You're getting an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans, where you get fifty dollars free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point with that code NBA. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from points, assists, rebounds, threes made, etc. You can pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections and you win up to 10 times on any entry. And the best part is it's just you against the projected 
numbers. You're not competing against some sort of shadow expert making some lineup that you can't even see before you play your lineup. Instead, you are going just against the projections. It's the best way to play daily fantasy. It also allows mixed sport entries if you're a sporto who likes more than just basketball. Maybe you're a basketball and hockey fan. You want to cross sports, you can do that. And you can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Go to prizepicks.com today or go to the App Store and download the app. All users that deposit and use the promo code NBA get 50 bucks free if your first prize picks entry scores a single point. That's right, $50 free. It's basically free money. You can easily get that single point. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. Go check them out. All right, we are going to continue on here with your mailbag questions from the good people out there here on Locked On Raptors. Your first listen of the day for those of you picking up the second portion of the video on the Lockdown Raptors YouTube page. Welcome, hello. If you missed the first one, you can go back and watch it. And the next one, next part of this podcast, will be coming out in the third video with the guys from Lockdown Hornets as we break down tonight's game. But let's continue on and get to your mailbag questions that came in. Again, a lot of really good ones that came in here. We'll try to rattle through two or three before we get to Doug and Walker from Lockdown Hornets. So first one here comes from Cameron Hilton. Who is the ultimate get for the Raptors via trade? And why is it Rudy Gobert? Interesting one. I don't think Rudy Gobert is the ultimate get for the Raptors. He would certainly be helpful. He would certainly be the back line of defense that this hyper-aggressive Raptors team desperately needs. Honestly, the Raptors offer the perimeter defense that Rudy Gobert wishes he could have on that uh, Utah Jazz team that is just a bunch of uncles letting blow-bys happen every single time down the floor, hoping that their young, spry French son can, or, or nephew, I suppose, can block those shots away and sort of maintain the back line. Rudy Gobert would be perfect. You could get the defensive acumen of Fred Van Vliet and, Rudy, and OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes. You throw in Rudy Gobert behind those guys. I don't think anyone's ever scoring on that team. That said, I don't think that team is scoring very much itself either. And so for me, I mean, the guy who's always going to be my white whale until future you know, events dictate otherwise Carl Anthony Towns is my is my white whale. The Wolves are too good. I don't think he's going to get dealt. I would not deal him if I'm the Wolves. He's really, really freaking good. He's got like 24, 9, and 4 on like a 9,000 true shooting percentage because he's the most efficient big man we've ever seen. He's incredible, and he would be an absolutely perfect fit next to every one of the Raptors' core guys. The Siakam-Towns fit to me is just so dreamy. You get the shooting, you get the rebounding, you get the size, you get a guy who... I think in a proper defensive system with proper infrastructure and help, Towns can be at least a passable, slightly above average defender. He's flashed that in the past. As a rookie, he was pretty effective on that end. And then it all kind of went to poop over the course of the last few years, as things tend to do happen with the Minnesota Timberwolves. But I think he's good enough that he could be a back line. And then his offense is just so damn dynamic. You could run four or five pick and roll with him and, and Siakam. You could inverse it and have Towns run the pick and roll. Obviously, a pick-and-pop, pick-and-roll situation with uh, Towns and, uh, of course, Fred Van Vliet would be incredible. You can run a ton of Spain pick-and-roll where you get like a Scotty or a Pascal diving and a Towns popping for three. It's all very, very exciting and interesting. Obviously, it's going to take a lot for that to happen. And, you know, the Wolves will have to go into the tank and they'll have to have a disgruntled Towns on their hands and then the Raptors would have to win a bidding war. It's not happening never happening and you should probably talk yourself out of it happening but it's pretty fun to think about the fit i think of all of the players who 
even sort of could maybe be available via trade at some point in the next few years. Towns is the one I think fits the most, and that's kind of what I would save my chips for if at all possible. He's incredible and would be an absolutely perfect fit on this Raptors team. Let's continue on. Next question here comes from Sifoidar. Apologies if I'm pronouncing your Twitter handle incorrectly. But the question is, what archetype of prospect would you like to see the Raptors target with their first round pick? This is an interesting one. It is, uh, you know, the Raptors are far away from the draft right now. I know nothing about this year's draft. I will say I do my draft prep in the month before the draft typically, and it's not something I really tend to weigh too far into. I mostly just take what smart people say and repurpose those opinions uh, and sort of draw my own conclusions from what smart people say. And so I'm probably not the best person to ask this question, but it is an interesting thing because the Raptors have seemingly had a type over the years, a six foot nine dude who can't def- who can't shoot but can defend. That's kind of been their vibe, except for when they drafted Malachi Flynn, of course. And so you wonder if maybe there's some sort of identity crisis they've got going on with the way they're drafting. I don't think so. Honestly, I think Flynn was a pick that was sort of in service of the idea that Kyle Lowry was on the way out the door suit and having some insurance in, in place would have been useful. I think that pick becomes less necessary when Pascal Siakam levels up as a playmaker like this. And Scotty Barnes flashes playmaking acumen. You just rather have those guys with the ball in their hands than Malachi Flynn these days. But I, I think that was probably the outlier, the sort of exception that proves the rule. The Raptors are typically a team that's going to draft for length and defense and sort of character too as well, right? And then from there, they'll kind of figure things out. So I would imagine, considering they've leaned so hard into in Division Six Foot Nine, with the potential of Chris Boucher being on the way out the door, I would not be surprised at all if they took some sort of prod, projectable, weird, limmy Six Foot Nine dude who doesn't have much in the way of a bag. That 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 feels like probably a pretty safe Raptors pick to me. That said, if they could get some kind of knockdown shooter, someone who just kind of spent his college career flying around screens and knocking down catch and shoots and someone who could kind of be the bench version of Gary Trent Jr. That might not be the worst thing in the world. You know, typically I'm all for just drafting for potential and projectability. But in this case, if you're trying to build a proper roster around the guys you have and who you think are going to be around long-term, getting some specific skill sets and specialists, I think would be pretty helpful, especially since the Raptors are not going to be picking in the super high lottery. They might get low lottery if things go wrong here down the stretch of the season, but It'll be pretty middling in terms of their pick this year. I would rather just get someone who has like one elite skill, preferably shooting, and then you can kind of go with that. But, you know, again, it's hard to predict her, and it's way, way, way too far away to have any sort of inkling as to where the Raptors will pick and who they'll be eyeing up and how the rest of this season might dictate what they might want to do there as well. Uh, we'll get to one last listener question here, and this one comes from, again, Cameron Hilton, who asks, Scotty Barnes can play all five spots, just but just because you can doesn't mean you should. Would he be better as a pure point guard or a three? I think we really have to get to a point where we're not really calculating positionality into our conversations about this Raptors team. The Raptors clearly don't care about positions. They don't give a shit about the concept at all, frankly. And it's probably time for us to match that in terms of our discussion of the team. And I don't think the Raptors are going to box Scotty Barnes into being one position because why would you? I pointed out, I made a tweet that kind of went a little bit viral-ish, I guess, on Friday night when the Raptors, I made a tweet. Good God, I sound old. Um, <laughs> I posted on Friday that you know Barnes is a bruising wing and a finesse center and a flashy point guard all into one delicious package or something like that. 
And I totally stand by that. Why paint him into being one position when he can be all of the positions and you can use him and deploy him in all these different sorts of ways. You can use him as a guy that you throw the ball to on the wing and he isos up and finds his own buckets. You can post him up. You can use him from the middle of the floor as a, as a surveyor, as a short roll guy, as a zone buster, as your sort of nominal center on defense. You can run as they've talked about with, you know, sort of comparisons to Marc Gasol and the way they used him within the Raptors offense, that is something the Raptors can do with Scotty Barnes in addition to giving him the ball handling duties as well. So, no, I don't think you pencil him into one position. In fact, I think you let him try out all these different things and see what sticks and see, see what works. And then you'll have this sort of proto-futuristic player who is not tied to any position, can play with any collection of players. It changes the way that you can team build because instead of feeling like, oh, you got to get a wing or a big to pair with this small forward, you can tailor your acquisitions and realize, oh, we can just get this guy and then move Scotty here, or we can move Scotty here and get this guy here. That's a way better way to go about building a team to me. And, and I just think with Scotty Barnes at just 20 years old, there's no sense in putting him on some one like single-minded development track at this point give them all of the development tracks and see what sticks the most for me with scotty barnes the next like two seasons at the very least you're just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks and that stuff that sticks will eventually form the player that he becomes down the line which might be a bit more focused in terms of what he focuses on and what he does the most but i think scotty barnes does so many things so well and has such a sort of outlier body type and size and basketball IQ that penciling him into one position is a very, very silly idea because he's awesome. And I want to see as much Scotty Barnes and all the different facets of the game as we could possibly see. With that, I'm going to wrap up the mailbag portion of this podcast. We'll come back on the other side and dig into Raptors Hornets with Walker and Doug from Locked On Hornets. Should be a great chat. Uh, it'll be available, of course, on the video side in a third video. So keep an eye out there. I'm just testing something out and we'll see how it works. If you don't like the three short videos, just tell me in the comments and that's fine. And I'll never do it again. If you do like it, however, let me know and I can maybe start doing it a little bit more often. Either way, that's going to do it for the mailbag part. We will get in a second to the conversation with the boys from Locked On Hornets. But first, let me tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag who would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue to march towards the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline is the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year and you got a new desktop uh, and mobile website for you to sign up at today and receive a 50% welcome bonus upon your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to get started from football, basketball, hockey, bo hockey boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, let's get to the chat now with Walker and Doug from Locked on Hornets as we round out and preview tonight's game and wrap up the show. Enjoy. <laughs> well, you've, you've brought you brought some great bumps back, Doug. I appreciate it. Sean, how uh, is Matt Thomas a bigger Raptors legend now than Vince Carter? Where does he rank in the Pantheon in Toronto history? It depends. There were a few like local writers who really adopted Matt Thomas as their guiding light last year. Mm -hmm. uh, that really, really fizzled out quite quickly. He's I do an annual ranking every year of every Raptor. It's a stupid, very time-consuming exercise which that, we I, love, that I put which we absolutely far love too much here. effort into. But yeah, I think Matt Thomas fell somewhere in like the deep 180s or something like that. Uh, <laughs> Vince Carter, a little bit higher than that. Okay. So yeah, what are your, do you remember top three? 
course I remember the top three. What are we talking about? Right, hit me, hit Kyle me. Lowry is number one. Wait, wait, hold on. No, 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 hold on, hold on. Mm. No, let's do uh, Now we've, we've okay. d- d- forget you heard that. Bring let's the start. fanfare, dog. Do you yeah. remember number f- Yeah, I've got the fanfare. We can do this slowly. We can take our time. Mm-hmm. Um, no, <laughs> our, our bosses will get mad at us for taking our time, but we'll do it. Uh, <laughs> let's go. Number five, fifth best, best Raptor of all time. I think fifth best I have as Chris Bosch, although I'm ruminating on this year, Pascal Siakam finally overtaking him. Wow. <laughs> okay. Chris Bosch, number five, and then Pascal mm-hmm. possibly going to pass him. That's pretty interesting. Pas- Let's- Pascal. Pascal. It is Pascal, right? Is it Pascal or Pascal? No, I'm just it's saying Pascal. Pass. Yeah, I'm, doing a, I'm doing a thing with Pass. Come on, Walker. Keep it. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I'm, He's I've been trying. Him. Doug, I'm glad you brought that up. I've been trying to figure out a way to do some sort of Pascal pun because of all the passes he's been throwing lately, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. as a new, like, like fully revamped playmaker. Make a pass just, calculator. It, a very, Make a pass very, calculator. That could work, but I'm having mm-hmm. trouble. Maybe I'll steal that because uh, I'm having a really hard time finding something that isn't just like pass with two S's, Cal Siakam. And mm-hmm. it's not a very good pun. Let me tell you, it's not my best work. All right. That's fine. We we love the puns here. High and pass calories. Let, let, <laughs> let's keep moving with the fanfare. Who's number four on number your list, Sean? I think four I have Damar, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Damar, I think, comes in number four. He's very okay. good. We love Damar up here. Yeah. and, and Working his Chicago. way up the Bulls rankings. I was say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly doing that with the Bulls as well. All right, who comes in at number three? Vince Carter, of course. Okay. Uh, I, yeah. I didn't know. All right, so Vince Carter does come hey. in at number three. And we already know number one, but we're going to act like we didn't hear that. So I'm really interested <laughs> to see who's going to be number two. Drop it on us, Sean. Uh, it's Terrence Ross. No, uh, it's uh, it's Kawhi Leonard. I I think people kind of like, wow. yeah, they take issue one with me wonder. putting him number two. But like, I don't know. Did you watch him for the one season where he literally won a championship? Not like on his own or anything like that, but uh, kind of on his own in a lot of ways. Like game seven against the Sixers, he shoots like 40 times, hits the shot. They don't win the title without him. So, yeah, well, that's uh, like that's like Jamal Mashburn. People get mad at Walker and I for putting Jamal Mashburn high on the top uh, yes. 30 Hornets of all time because he was – and Eddie Jones. You know, people uh, mm. loved Eddie Jones uh, several years. Uh, yeah, didn't, get the, that, didn't get the Hornets to a championship, but uh, – No, that, that's right. You said Kawhi Leonard. That's just like Jamal Mashburn. Those are mm-hmm. words that you said on this podcast. All right, number one. And I stand by it. Sean, we have no clue who's number one on your list. Is Kyle Lowry. Have you ever heard of him? Yes. Uh, yes, he yeah. destroys. He was the destroyer of Charlotte. He was. Basketball. He was the destroyer of Charlotte. Kyle Lowry. With that nope. big booty. Yeah, he does. I mean, uh, he destroyed a lot of people with his booty. He continues to destroy people with his booty. Even though heat culture is trying to, like, I'm sure, shame him into slimming down his booty, it's impossible. You can't That's like cutting it. off Samson's hair. Yeah. Samson? That's right. Yeah, you can't do that. I hope that they're not doing Samson that. Samson who? down with uh heat culture all right let's talk about the raptors that are currently on this team as we speak yeah. right now as i mentioned sean i mean you guys that you go you go after a lot of defenders pascal siakam still on the team and then the first big time surprise of the nba draft was watching toronto draft scotty barnes who everybody mm-hmm. loved and everybody had him higher than everybody else except for toronto apparently right toronto they selected scotty barnes over who everybody thought was going to be taken there at jalen suggs um what have you thought of uh, scotty barnes so far this year 
He's pretty awesome, man. He, I mean, he already like fulfills my quotient for whether I think a player is good, which is he throws at least one no look pass per game, which is really all I need from my yeah. basketball watching experience. In addition to that, he just like is a way more advanced scorer than I think anyone ever projected pr- pr- projected him to be. Like he was branded by a lot of very smart draft people as a zero level scorer coming out of the draft. And he's currently like shooting like 64% inside three feet. He's got a mid range game. He's like kind of flirted with reasonable, you know, average on kind of reasonable volume on threes as well. Like he's been just bloody impressive as an offensive player to the point that like, you know, even though he's had some defensive misgivings, which I think you expect from any rookie, like he gets blown by a lot. He'll kind of break down in coverage. And I know for sure that like when there's a blown coverage, it's not Pascal Siakam or Fred Van Vliet usually to blame. It's usually going to be Scotty Barnes because of how good those guys typically are. But even then, his offense has just been so impressive. I mean, he put up 27 points on Friday against the Wizards, basically just posting up dudes all night long. And then he can have a game where he's playing point guard for the team and he's finding guys on the run. And he just he's a really, really delightful basketball player to watch. And I think, you know, kind of on the tier of LaMelo when it comes to funky, cool basketball players, he's just a blast. and He's been well ahead of schedule. And so, like, for me my whole experience of the Raptors this season is it's all just gravy because Scotty Barnes is what matters the most. And yeah. he has been so good that, you know, the, the results of this season doesn't really matter because he is way ahead of where anyone thought he would be. Yeah, it sounds like he's profiling similar to LaMelo Ball out of the draft. Now, mm-hmm. I don't think people thought that LaMelo Ball was a zero-level scorer coming into that draft, but they certainly had questions about his outside shot and about his mm-hmm. offensive production in general, and he well exceeded those expectations in his rookie season. Uh, we did mention uh, in the last segment he is struggling to shoot the basketball right now, and, and so are the Hornets in general. They mm-hmm. Again, they started that last game against the Atlanta Hawks 0 of 19 from the field, so they've got some as they improve their defense, they've got some offensive shooting struggles to figure out. Here's my question on the Raptors. Uh, right now, they're sitting at uh, 500. Are they are they beating your expectations for this season, or are they s- somewhat behind your expectations? What, what, how, how do you feel about this Raptors team right now? I mean, they're basically in line with what I expected. I predicted 42 and 40 at the start of the season, and they were 21 and 20 at the halfway mark. So listen to my podcast. I'm a genius. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think for me, it has been, I think, even a better sort of season than I expected it would be. And it's been a more fun season to watch. It's a super weird and interesting team, which is kind of part of it. It's like way different than any team I've ever covered. They don't care about positions. They'll play lineups with five, six, nine dudes where Chris Boucher's like the shooting guard, I guess. Like it, it gets super weird, super quick with this team. You know, there have been some annoyances. Nick Nurse has, you know, played like seven guys a night for the last couple of weeks here. Like it's the playoffs and everyone's exhausted and Fred Van Vliet shooting poorly lately because I think he's just so damn tired from doing everything all the time. But it's been a really enjoyable year because you've seen just kind of like a bounce back from last year in Tampa from a lot of guys who you really wanted to see bounce backs from. I mean, in particular, Pascal Siakam, who was better than people give him credit for last year, but still mm-hmm. kind of had this sort of stink on him from the bubble. This season, it's been entirely different. He's become, like, the best playmaker on the team. He's throwing out, like, 10 assist games left, right, and center. Uh, he's been really, really exciting while also getting back to his sort of peak defensive level as well. And it's just been great. And along with Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent Jr. has been a lot better than expected. I think the guys that really matter have been better than I expected. You know, Fred Van Vliet as well. I mean, he's going to be like a shoe in all-star, maybe an all-NBA guy this year. He's been that good. Never would have foreseen that. 
And so even though the back end of the roster is kind of dragging things down and they're really struggling to string together wins because of that, the guys who matter have been better than I think anyone could have anticipated. So for me, they're, they're in the green on this season for sure. And I think they, you look towards next season and things get a little bit more exciting in terms of kind of ceiling type things. And Walker, I don't know how you feel right now, but this game scares me a little bit uh, for the Hornets <laughs> because not not because of the last blowout to the Atlanta Hawks. I think those shooting struggles are going to come back towards the mean, but I think defensively they're going to have they they've had struggles this season with dealing with teams who who put a lot of tall, long, lengthy players on the floor, athleticism, that kind of thing. So I, I don't know where your head's at on this game, Walker, but well, I mean, I'm, I'm a little scared. Well, I mean, height and versatility is always going to be a problem, especially for the Hornets, who they're just not very tall, right? Like we like to go small ball constantly with P.J. Washington playing center as our best lineup. And you guys mentioned LaMelo Ball, Scotty Barnes, the profiles being very similar coming into their first year in the NBA. I actually viewed the Toronto Raptors very similarly altogether as the Charlotte Hornets. And Sean, I think we did a preview on one of the Locked On NBA previews that we did this year. We mm -hmm. were on the same episode because we were kind of in the same tier. And both of us, I think, went with internal improvement, if I'm not mistaken, having such a big factor on how this team was going to play. Well, here the Hornets are. Miles Bridges is at least top 10 in the votes when it comes to Eastern Conference frontcourt players. You talk about LaMelo Ball, who even with the down shooting has taken a step up this season. Mm -hmm. it, guys like McDaniels, you know, Cody Martin, really impressive. Terry Rozier has still stayed the same. We've seen a lot of improvement. I feel like that's kind of happened with Toronto, where you see Fred Van Vliet, <laughs> you just mentioned. You see Pascal Siakam coming back after having a disappointing year last year by expectation. Scotty comes in really good, going to be at least what, at least top three rookie of the year, probably behind mm -hmm. only Evan Mobley at this point. So, like, it seems like there are are a lot of similarities more yeah. so between these two teams the, than the Hornets have with any other franchise. The biggest similarity is that both teams are trying to copy the Miami Heat. <laughs> We're just like both <laughs> desperately trying to figure out how those how that team succeeds and copy it. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think I mentioned to Doug yesterday, I kind of see a lot of through lines. Also, just like the team building that's kind of being done here where you know, there's a lot of sort of spreading of the wealth when it comes to, you know, the, the top five or six guys in the team. They're all kind of putting up good numbers and they all kind of work well together. The fit's pretty nice, but maybe there's just that like one missing ingredient. Neither team has a center either, which I guess is like a very easy comparison. Yeah. Um, both pretty bad on the defensive glass, things like that. Yeah, it's pretty interesting the way they've gone about it. I think like the Hornets obviously are a little bit less sort of eyeing up this vision six foot nine as we've dubbed it up in Toronto like that they're not quite going for that formula and why would you you got LaMelo you've got uh you know Gordon Hayward you've got you know a lot of interesting guys who just happen to be not six foot nine why would you go and sell out your sort of guys that you have on hand to chase a different vision but I think just in terms of like trajectory where these teams are in their sort of building towards their next competitive windows I think they're pretty similar I do have a question for you guys about this one. Um, mm -hmm. Doug, you mentioned to me that zone is kind of like a heavy, heavy thing that the Hornets will use. Mm -hmm. As it turns out, the Raptors have gotten crushed by zones lately. Uh, the Wizards used Love it against them in their Friday game. The Raptors scored 18 points, almost blew a 14-point fourth quarter lead in that game. And then on Sunday against the Blazers, they were down 30 at halftime after they got zoned into oblivion by the Blazers and they just couldn't knock down a three. You know... I, 
there's this is an interesting matchup from that perspective too because the hornets are like horrible on the defensive glass and the raptors are the best team in the league on the offensive glass so that's kind of an interesting inflection point especially with how we know zones can affect defensive rebounding with the way way guys are positioned and all that like how do you view the zone being a weapon or potentially like the undoing because of the defensive glass in this one for the hornets against the raptors yeah, I think they do the best they can on the defensive glass, but I think their focus is on, um, you, you know, trying. Even they push the, they don't really need the defensive glass to push the pace. They can push the pace mm-hmm. on missed shots. They can push the pace on made, made shots, uh, and, and they really are aggressive in terms of trying to steal the basketball and generate extra possessions that way. And and mm-hmm. you have Lamelo, who is an assassin when it comes to steals, because he he just has this otherworldly anticipation of where the ball is going to go. He knows where it's going to go before the person who's passing it knows where it's going to go and so they try to generate more offense with their defense than um and to make up for the fact that they're they're going to struggle defensive rebounding also uh lamello and and other players they love to crash the glass and and generate extra possessions that way so you know i I think they try they try the best they can to cancel out some of some of their structural defects uh when it comes to that I, i would just love to know like I think what would be fun for these like crossover segments is just to exchange how we can beat each other's team. Like how yeah. how how can how are the Hornets going to lose this game? How are the Raptors going to lose this game? Nobody nobody knows more intimately how a team is going to lose than the people that watch the team the most. So if Toronto loses this game, Sean, what happens? What what happened to Toronto that they lost this game? Yeah, I mean, I figure the Hornets probably zone up pretty hard and force them into taking a lot of threes, and their consistent struggles from downtown continue. You know, OG Ananobi is one of their three knockdown guys they have. He's been kind of cold lately. Fred Van Vliet's been kind of cold lately as well. Gary Trent Jr. is really the only guy right now who, and he's only been back from uh, injury for a couple of games here too, but he's the only guy I like really trust and feel like, yes, that catch and shoot is definitely going in. Fred normally has that. It's just been a bit of a rough go for him in the last couple of games here. He still finds a way, and he also is like a steals hawk too. So it's kind of like Spider-Man meme teams kind of once again pointing at one another. Um, but yeah, I think they get flummoxed by the zone and they just miss a ton of shots and they're missed threes don't lead to short rebounds that they can collect and finish around the basket with. They lead to long rebounds, they lead to runouts for the Hornets in their transition game, which is a problem. And that was the problem against the Blazers on Sunday. So I, I do think there's already kind of a blueprint to really flummox the Raptors. And, you know, all, if that happens, the, the Hornets will go up big in the first half. The Raptors will then have what we call a very uh, friendly, or I guess colloquially and with some sort of endearment, uh, fake comeback. The Raptors are very good at them. They, they will sort of <laughs> full court press you to, to oblivion in the second half get it close. They got it to within four points against the Blazers in that game where they were down by 30 at halftime, uh, and they couldn't quite put it over the finish line because they ran out of gas. That feels like the sort of uh, blueprint for a Raptors loss here, I think. What about you with the Hornets? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at when you talk about the full court, you know, full court press, like the Hornets are are pretty equipped to handle that. Certainly with LaMelo, you do have some ball handlers that you can be okay with, so that that would be an advantage for the Charlotte Hornets. I just think you guys are really good defensively when you go to Fred Van Vliet, going to be right up in LaMelo, shorter than LaMelo, a taller point guard, so that's going to be tough for him. Then you talk about Scotty Barnes, you talk about Pascal C. 
Siakam, you know, can you neutralize the offensive threats of the Hornets all the way down the list? Miles Bridges, you take him away. Gordon Hayward, you take him away. Terry Rozier is going to have to put up a heroic effort, which he was crazy cold this last time out, but overall has been shooting very well the last mm-hmm. couple of months or so. Is it going to take some kind of heroic Terry Rozier game while LaMelo continues to struggle from the field? Miles up and down, certainly with his shooting, actually more so down this year. I think just defensively, you know, if the Hornets, it's one of those classic, can the Hornets get to 110? And if they do, you feel pretty good about it, considering the Raptors haven't gotten to that mark, I think, in the last couple of weeks or so. So (laughs) it's just, you guys are really good defensively. You're so versatile from top to bottom. And the Hornets have a lot of guys that can score, but you know, you're going to take a lot of that away with how good they are. So I think that's going to be the problem. It's, you know, can the Hornets find transition buckets? Can they try to get the easy baskets as much as possible? And if they can, then the Hornets might come away with a victory. And I think to that point as well, like the way the Raptors decided to defend the Hornets will, I think, go a long way to deciding what happens here too, because they do a thing where they will send a lot of extra attention towards the best player on an opposing team and just hope that the guy who gets the corner three in the corner after a swing is going to miss it. It's been their strategy for a couple of years. It's not worked so well this year. And with the Hornets, like there's a lot of threats out there. Yeah. I'm not super comfortable funneling those shots to. So do they play a more switch heavy scheme, which they have the capability to do. They just never do it. <laughs> and it's very maddening because like they've built this team of six foot nine dudes who could easily defend everybody one on one. But instead, they scramble and recover and fly around like maniacs. And I think against the Hornets, that could be a particularly dangerous strategy. Well, and what's interesting, too, you mentioned the corner three. Kelly Oubre, what was funny is how you know he was historically bad with the Golden State shooting last mm-hmm. year. But if you were to dive a little deeper on his corner threes, they weren't bad with Golden State. Mm-hmm. It was just everywhere else was so bad. And so now you see what Kelly's doing here, having a breakout season being at least second in six man of the year voting behind Tyler Hero right now. And so if Kelly can be that guy that, you know, has the dagger for you every once in a while, then yeah, that would be great. Kelly, you know, is he making shots and can he make shots against Toronto? If not, he's probably not helping you, but you know, that that's something that would serve better for the Hornets. If, uh, if the Toronto Raptors do find themselves scrambling on team defense. Um, I know that uh, not a lot of people are allowed in uh, Scotiabank Arena uh, right None now. None people are allowed, except okay. for family and friends. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> if you can befriend uh, one of the Raptors and sneak your way in there, I just want you to dap up the Raptor. <laughs> Does the Raptor have a name? We were discussing it. We, we weren't sure the if the Raptor mascot has a name. Yeah, it's just the Raptor. Why why, why overcomplicate things? It's just the Raptor. And it's, uh, I mean, it's been the same guy since 1995. It's, he's been terry doing rap it's terry raptor inside the raptor <laughs> sure yes he's been doing some of his best work during this uh fanless experience, i know i wanted you bothering yeah, devin booker yeah dap him up for me. raptors not- skulking around we're not allowed to interact with the raptor it's uh there's a cone Gross. of like uh protection around the raptor it's a very intense and uh um, kind of cultish thing but i'm happily Jurassic part Park? of that cult. seems like a pretty good idea <laughs> sneak, up, sneak in there and give him a tail a little tail dap for us because uh not and i'm not a huge fan of devin booker so i really enjoy that. <laughs> there you go so. so the raptor and doug branson two peas little tail dap just give him one of these Boop. 
There you go. Yep. Exactly. Uh, I will do and say that's from Doug Branson. And then he won't feel yeah, Terry, Terry, Terry Raptor won't, he won't feel it. You know, they, they, they can't feel the end of the tail. Just make sure you do the sound <laughs> effect with it as well. So he knows what you did. All right. Sean Woodley locked on Raptors joining us on the lockdown Hornets podcast. Make sure you follow him on Twitter for great Raptors coverage. At What's he got? Well, you, got you got some, yeah, you got I got some things I got to show you guys, by the way, I told you like a couple show days ago, but if we're plugging things or whatever, I just wanted to plug, this is a thing I own. It is oh, a yeah. oh, that's like, fantastic. very large sweater. I bought at a vintage market one day. Yeah, I just let's see that. Let's see that again like in that. full screen. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, here we oh, go. Yeah, Beautiful. It's a little toasty. I don't wear it often. It's that's old warm. school for the for the podcast <laughs> oh, listeners. Yeah. It's an old school swe- <laughs> uh, sweater. Is a sweater via jacket? the game? I don't know what company that is. If they're still out of in business or not, but uh, if there's a Hornets fan out there who wants to send me a bunch of money for this, I, I could be convinced to send yeah, it. Go to you. if you're listening right now. Go to YouTube. Uh, right. Subscribe <laughs> to our YouTube channel. Uh, even if you're not a Raptors fan, just subscribe to Sean's. We we just love subscribers. You don't have to watch. Just subscribe. No, that's all right. just like to juice the stats, baby. Yeah, that's right. Is it embarrassing, <laughs> by the way, that the Locked On Raptors host has a better Charlotte sweatshirt than I do? Considering. That's really embarrassing because it's it's not even close. Sean clearly has a better sweatshirt about Charlotte. All right. Follow him on Twitter at Woodley Sean. Thanks so much, man. Great uh, hearing from you. We appreciate you hopping on with us. Anytime, guys.